Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Generations. Today, myself, Matthew, along with Aaron McGowan and Alex Corman, are going to be breaking down our rankings of all of the 11 live-action Star Wars movies. We're, if you've been paying attention to our podcast, you've heard that we're starting to do the you know movie-by-movie movie breakdowns and discussions, looking at it from the three different perspectives that each of us have, being you know different um, backgrounds, perspectives, generations, all of that. We actually had recorded an episode on how we rank all of them. Uh, we did have some technical problems related to that first episode, so we're doing that, running that one back again. So if this seems a little bit out of order, that's why. But we're still going to have an awesome conversation uh, about, you know, where we rank these movies. Because to me, one of the things that I'm most excited about with this podcast that we're doing, uh, especially having Aaron and Alex's voices on it now as my co-hosts, I mean, A, I do a lot less of the work, but more importantly, is just realizing how much my particular version, my particular understanding of how I see these movies is really set by like my, how I how I experience them, and getting to hear from others, getting to talk to others about how they experience them, is really changing things a lot for me, and I hope for a lot of listeners. And so we're gonna do these rankings at our beginning of our kind of walk down memory lane with the movies. We're gonna do them again at the end, just kind of see how much things have changed, and bring you guys along with us. So uh, let me start by just letting my two co-hosts introduce themselves. Aaron, go ahead. Hey, yeah, I'm Aaron. Um... Uh, what's it called? I'm affectionately McGowan. known at oh, thank you. But no, I was gonna say I'm affectionately known as the child on this podcast, which I fully claim. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to get into this. As Matthew said, we had some technical difficulties. What they meant by that is that Alex did not record the podcast, which hey, means you know what I was gonna admit it myself, but just call me out. It's fine. I will. I was just gonna say congratulations. You're a real podcaster now. You right. wouldn't be a real mm -hmm. podcaster if you didn't accidentally delete or not record something. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I was not going to throw you under the bus, but Aaron makes a good point. I was going to throw myself under the bus, so it's fine. There okay, go. go ahead. There introduce go. yourself. Oh, okay. Well, hey, everyone. I'm Alex Corman, um, and I am the one who messed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm also very excited to rank the movies a second time. I feel like my thoughts are are clear and I have more poignant arguments to uh, throw at Matthew about why Revenge of the Sith is the best movie ever made. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be um, great. I, I'll just say, though, I think it's interesting to hear where we all rank these and discuss them. I'm not here for arguments. I'm just here to kind of, you know, feel out what you guys are saying and occasionally tell you why you're wrong. So let me, <laughs> let me also just say we're going to be giving them the ranking. We're doing all 11 of the live action movies. That's the three trilogies plus Solo and Rogue One. And at least for myself, um, you know, putting things in rankings is always hard. It can be a little bit, you know, flexible back and forth. And I do, I at least specifically have tiers of like the, these couple are just, I can rank them, but they're all so close to each other and they're all really at the top, really at the bottom, stuff like that. Uh, if you guys have that as well, that's awesome. Um, but if not, that, that works too. So let me just start out here. Uh, Mr. Corman, what is your bottom movie? What's your number 11? Yeah, even though I am a, I am a uh, a child of the prequels, I will have to put Attack of the Clones at the bottom of the barrel here. Um, <laughs> I you know while I I truly I truly love you know having grown up in the era of 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 the prequels and and I and I like them more. The I have a fondest place in my heart than most people. Attack of the Clones just just fails in more areas than any other movie for me. Um, now. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love, you know, the the Battle of Geonosis, you know, we the, the scenes on Camino, those are great. 
But outside of that, it's a flaming hot piece of shit. I mean, if we're being <laughs> honest, you, you, know, you go from the awkward conversations and kind of gaslighting, questionable, predatory behavior of Anakin towards Padme. And then you have the it's just the never-ending scene in the droid factory. And <laughs> it's just, it just none of that hit with me or connect with me at any level. And I feel like the last 30 minutes of a movie can't redeem the first hour and a half of just 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 not being good. Um, I think that Ewan McGregor is still a shining light in as he is in every prequel movie, but it definitely is going to have to rank at the bottom of my list. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it is. Uh, I have a bottom tier of the bottom two, and it's not my absolute bottom, but it's in there for pretty much all the reasons you just talked about. Yeah, well, what's your bottom, Matthew? So my bottom, and this is kind of uh, a good way to introduce a any kind of like interesting question about how we rank movies um, is because <clears throat> I thought a lot about this in terms of like, am I looking at which one is just the best movie versus which one is the best Star Wars movie and which is the like, does it contribute or even a few cases like do actual harm to I think the overall Star Wars story? Because I think Attack of the Clones for all the things you just said it does add a lot to the Star Wars story. You know, it helps us understand how the clones started uh, and the Clone Wars and all that kind of thing. Uh, it, it does a horrible job of explaining the romance. Uh, every now and then I see one of those posts where it's like, God, how could Padme have said like, oh, I don't love you, Anakin. I don't want to kiss you, but then worn these really sexy dresses. And it's like, guys, guys, that's not like people can wear whatever the hell they want. That's such awful like way of viewing that yeah. but it's how anakin views it for sure but to me it is still like it it adds to the star wars canon a lot um uh, of things that i that i think are positive so it's in my bottom tier it's not my absolute last though my last because i think it's actually kind of the polar opposite is rise of skywalker um rise of skywalker to me i think as someone who doesn't like star wars if you just watch rise of skywalker is a far better movie than attack of the clones the, the dialogue, the acting, the cinematography, the directing are all like, you know, medium to good. Like, they're great. That, that All that is fine. I just think it is so like, it, I, love the, I love the sequels except for that one. I love Rey. I love Finn. I love all these characters. I just feel like Rise of Skywalker does so much harm to the canon. Like, it just takes so many of the great ideas from Last Jedi and totally ignores them. It brings back Palpatine for no reason whatsoever, just to kind of make all the stuff that Vader did feel more invalid. Um, it it didn't ruin my childhood. It doesn't take away my enjoyment of any of the movies any less. I think it's perfectly fine for me to be like, it's just it's just not the movie I'm ever going to watch again because I just don't care for it uh, until we uh, until we review it. Um, but yeah, so for those reasons, like it, Rise of Skywalker is my is my bottom. But I think it has a lot to do with, like I said, if, if if you asked me to do these rankings based on which is the best made movie, it would be Attack of the Clones. But if you ask me which is the worst Star Wars movie, it's Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I um, also have Rise of Skywalker at my bottom for a lot of the same. <sighs> Alex is so annoyed right now <laughs> for a lot of the same reasons as you, Matthew. I feel like it really abandoned so much of what was good about the sequels and mm -hmm. what it did to Finn and Rose is just horrible. Yeah. Um, they were just ignored for a big part of the movie. Um, but that being said, I am really excited for this rewatch because I've only seen Rise of Skywalker once. 
So I am mm-hmm. excited to be proved wrong in some way to like learn yeah. more about this film and see what good there actually is. Cause I have been biased in my mind for so long. I'm like, it didn't end the sequel trilogy how I wanted it to. Therefore I don't really want to think about this movie more. Yeah. But like you're saying, there's <clears throat> a lot of good parts to it also. So I'm interested to rewatch. And, and I will just add, I do know that uh, like you, I think I have some bias there. And part of it is that last Jedi, as we all know, was an incredibly controversial movie. And it was very hard to watch Rise of Skywalker after we'd had two or three years, or, you know, two years, maybe it was a year, however long, start again. And so it was very hard for me to watch Rise of Skywalker after having seen a big part of the fandom become very toxic in attacking Last Jedi in all these ways, and then see this movie that seemed to have listened to them. And seemed to have, like, as you said, completely ignored Rose and completely ignored Finn and ignored a lot of the things that the 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 toxic parts of the fandom were hating most about The Last Jedi. And so I think that also colored my viewing of it a good deal in terms of, like, I, I just was kind of mad at Disney for what it felt like to me, being cowards and giving in to this horrible part of the fandom. Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with not liking Last Jedi, but you know, I think we can agree on the toxicity of it. And maybe for me, seeing it again after a couple of years, I'll feel differently, but... We'll see. What about what about for you, Alex? What, what's your number eleven, and or do you want to just talk about our thoughts on Rise of Skywalker, oh, or where do you well, want to jump into this? Rise of Skywalker is not in my bottom three, so I mean, I can talk about it now, or I can talk about it later. Um, give I us mean, a quick get thing, just a quick, just give us a quick response to our words, and then you can get well, into. Well, I more. disagree, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I, I personally feel like, and, and and I know that, and Matthew and I have discussed this in the past, but I, I have found that. Rise of Skywalker to me took a lot of the kind of the risks that were taken in the last season of Rebels and put them on the big screen. You explored a lot of like the kind of weird lore in none of the live action movies had we really explored like, you know, the level of of of, of Sith like history and lore that's explored in this movie. And like I know everyone makes fun of the fact that Palpatine came back, <clears throat> and sure. I get the fact that like they could have definitely given a better explanation than somehow Palpatine returned. And I believe they're now currently backfilling it through the various um, live action shows. But I, I really felt like, you know, we have to remember Rise of Skywalker preceded um, everything except for like the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, while it wasn't perfectly executed, I think the Rise of Skywalker exploring a lot of those more far out there topics like open the door for what we got in Ahsoka. Like I felt like Rise of Skywalker walked so Ahsoka could run. I mean, like I don't think if if that movie hadn't been made, we could really start diving into some of like the expanded universe concepts we're seeing in Ahsoka right now. And I think that Palpatine returning, while yes, I get Matthew that it a little bit invalidates what Anakin's redemption arc did. However, it it just makes sense that he was the big bad he's was obsessed with with power and living forever through all of the films all of the books all of everything and for him to not have had like a plan in place to clone himself when he has access to kaminoan technology to not have a plan in place in case he dies i feel it could be out of character for him because he's so good at thinking like five moves ahead so to me that just made sense i thought it was a really fun adventure it was like the first time in a while that we'd just gotten the whole cast of characters adventuring like fully together. I mean, in The Last Jedi, they're all kind of doing their own thing. Um, you know, I think that you have Poe, Finn, Rey, 3PO, R2, Chewbacca, the whole gang just going on one fun little adventure. It felt like just it was just a fun ride for me. And I, I also, while, yeah, 
a little a little cheesy with the way Palpatine died with his own force lightning being reflected back at him. That last scene where all of the voices came through and I'm listening to Kanan and Ahsoka and <laughs> I'm listening to all these different Jedi, like I don't know. It just it just that really hit me in the theater and I was like, wow, this is so awesome. And like it's the fr- finally like no more Sith killing Sith. This is like Oh, it just it just hit me in such a in a cool way, and there were plenty of issues with it, but mm-hmm. I liked it way more than the bottom. That's my response. Yeah, I I think that's really fair. I think the only thing I'd say in response to that is that I think if we'd gotten that movie on its own or that movie after all the stuff that we've been getting recently, I probably would have liked it a lot more. That's fair. It it's that for me, the first two movies, and granted, mostly the Last Jedi, but I think even the Phantom Menace had started asking the question. What happens to the Force when the Sith are gone? What happens to the Force when the Jedi have mostly died out and maybe even were critiquing the Jedi and and looking at new things? And we introduced this really interesting question of, yeah, what does it mean for for Kylo to not be Sith but still be in the dark side? Mm-hmm. And, and exploring that and then to go back to just like, oh, JK, it was still actually the Sith all along. I was like, uh, well, then why give us the first two moves? Like, anyway, and... We'll get to more of that, I think, when we look at the individual movies, but I think that's... Because I totally hear what you're saying. I think divorced from the other two movies in the trilogy, yeah, having Palpatine come back, like, sure, that's fine. Um, it just felt like it made no... It it was so disconnected from The Last Jedi. Mean, like, like, if they had built up to it more in the pre- preceding movies, and I mean, that's a failure of the fact that they had J.J., then they brought in Ryan, and they brought J.J. back. Like, I, yeah. get, I get... like It would have made more sense if they had built up to it, Um, but I think that... And I'd be curious when you both rewatch it now that you've seen everything that's come out since then, if you have a different opinion, because I feel like it holds up more in classic Star Wars fashion. It holds up better the more we backfill it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Clone Wars make me like the prequels a lot more. So it's yeah, entirely yeah. possible this other stuff will too. Uh, what's, so what's your 11? It's Solo. Um, I'll keep my, my explanation brief because I want a little Rise of Skywalker tangent. But uh, I just felt like as a standalone movie, Solo is an incredible space western film good acting fun story good movie but in the star wars universe it just eh. like mm-hmm. i mean you're never gonna ever top harrison ford as han solo um i felt like it was just like a like yeah i love the introduction of kira i love the fact we got a mall cameo and i really love donald glover as lando mm-hmm. but i just I don't know. It just it just didn't feel like it fit well to me in the whole Star Wars universe. It didn't add a terrible amount for me. Um and it, it kind of feels like uh if I if it didn't exist, I wouldn't really notice. Like I, I just don't think it adds a ton to me. And like it's not a badly made movie, but if I'm talking about my best Star Wars movies, I just don't think like it, it stacks up to the others. It's also a little disjointed. I mean, that's just a case of like they filmed the whole thing and then basically scrapped the whole thing and changed a whole mm-hmm. bunch of things and kind of pieced it all together. Um, so I think that all that being said, like not a bad movie, but just not a great Star Wars movie in my humble opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to jump in real quick because Solo's my number 10. So this works well mm-hmm. for me for basically all the same reasons. Like, it's a fun space western. It's a cool little story, but to me, it's not Han Solo's story. Because mm-hmm. the arc that he has in this movie, the the arc kind of fall redemption of most main characters, kind of follows very similarly to his arc throughout the original trilogy. So it's like, why are we doing it again? I don't know. 
I agree with you. <laughs> Super fun movie. I enjoyed it. I saw it several times in theaters, but yeah, it doesn't really connect to the Star Wars story as a whole that I, as I wanted it to. And so that's my number 10 uh, for yeah. pretty much the same reasons. And I'd say it, it is the bo- it is in my second tier, though. To me, it's much better than those other two movies I discussed. I think mostly the same reasons of, whereas I feel like Rise of Skywalker is like actively like harmful to the Star Wars story. Solo to me is like, eh, it's, it's fine. Like it, it, if if you make it a random adventure about a guy named Bon Bolo, then I think it it's great. Like it's a great part of Star Wars, and it helps me to understand why there is no sentient being in the galaxy, whether like you know human, Twi'lek, J- Hut, you know droid, uh, uh, natural living that can resist the seductive charm of Lando Calrissian. Like, yeah. that movie establishes that yeah. very well. And I've never seen a cape used quite so much as a seductive weapon. Uh, you know, uh, Billy D. Williams ran- walked so that, uh, I want to say Childish Gambino. I know that's not his actual Donald name. Glover. Donald Glover. Donald Glover, thank you, could could run, dance, swish, sashay, seduce everything. That's why you have the um, young people, Matthew. We're here for there you. There you go. There you go. You got to help <laughs> me with the terms. Help me with the names. Um, but I got Childish Gambino. I mean, come on, give, me, give me that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just... So, like, Rise of Skywalker, like, I, I probably don't ever want to watch again until I have to for reviewing it. Solo, to me, is a really fun movie if I watch it, if I just don't think it's actually in any way related to a character that was later played by Harrison Ford. Yeah. Does that um, bring us to Alex's number 10? Yeah, what's that your number 10? number 10? What was your... Solo was your number 10. Yeah, Attack of the Clones is my number 11, Solo is my number 10. Okay, yeah, so we're all in agreement there. Cool, 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 cool. We all have solo as number 10. Uh, what's your number nine? My number nine, again, it hurts me as a child of the prequels to do this, but it would be The Phantom Menace. Uh, um, uh. I, again, I I really enjoy actually watching the movie, but if I'm stacking it up against the other movies, it just doesn't rise to the same level. I think that it gets more consideration than the other two movies below it because it was the first crack at Lucas reviving the franchise after 20 years um, or 15 years. Um, and I think that like Darth Maul, you know, especially when they hash him out in the Clone Wars, became one of the most compelling villains in Star Wars. But even just in that movie by itself, like just this menacing, cool looking guy, the dual bladed lightsaber um, and the entire um, duel of the fates was just one of the best lightsaber duels to exist. Also, we got to meet Love of My Life, Ewan McGregor, on screen. Yeah. Um, I also think that Qui-Gon Jinn is an incredible Jedi, and Liam Neeson played him perfectly. Um, and while all, those are all great pluses, um, there's a lot of drawbacks. Uh, the CGI just wasn't ready for that movie, mm-hmm. and Lucas leaned way too much in the CGI. Um, I think that there, it, you know, I, <laughs> people have said that you know Star Wars has some racist stereotypes. If you're going to point to a movie, Phantom Menace is the movie to point to. Whether it's um, the, um, the 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 possible Jewish stereotype of Watto, um, the Jamaican stereotype of um, Jar Jar, the Asian stereotype of the Trade Federation. I mean, it, the list goes on. It is there's problematic things in that movie that that I think have to be mentioned and, and discussed, but. Um, I think that also is a huge knock against it. Um, but uh, it, it's redeeming quality for me is um the, the pod racing, which was just like a core memory yeah. of me as a child. Like, um, I I know that 
for Matthew, like the trench run is like, you know, was his childhood or their childhood, like just, you know, their childhood moment of, of just pure mm-hmm. elation. And as a child watching the pod racing, I was like, this is mine. This is like, just, it was like, I understand the stakes weren't as high, but like, it was just, it was fun. It was fast paced. It was like, it, it, I remember playing the video game. There was Pepsi machines with Anakin's pod racing face on it. Like it, it was just like a little cultural moment. Um, and to, and to this day is still like something I look on with, with great nostalgia. So I think just for nostalgia purposes alone, it gets a little, little bump over solo and attack of the clones, but for the racism, poor CGI and general poor <laughs> storytelling and the fact that they used a just destroyed Yoda puppet that looked like he was on actual ketamine for the last 15 years. <laughs> um, I think it has to be knocked down to my, to my nine spot. Fair, fair. Uh, all right. So just kind of review. So. My my bottom three are Solo at nine, Attack of the Clones at ten, Rise of Skywalker at eleven. Uh, Alex, you have uh, Phantom Menace at nine, yep. Solo at ten, and yep. Attack of the Clones at eleven. Yep. And Aaron, you had uh, uh, Solo at ten and Rise of Skywalker at eleven. Okay, so nine? what's your nine? So my nine is Attack of the Clones. We already chatted about this, you know. For me. There's a lot of nostalgia. Camino, so fun. For me, okay, I grew up playing the Lego Star Wars like yes. Um, yes. game, the one that has the prequels and the originals, and just, oh my. that The pieces in that game are so fun. Like the droid factory, mm-hmm. not a great scene. The droid factory in the game, one of my favorite things. Like, yeah. that just made this movie so much better for me. Being able to like play it and same thing with the pod racing like that is the hardest level in the Lego Star Wars game. If you ask me, I've played it so many times and failed and just the same thing Alex is saying how it's. Oh, no, that's from Phantom Menace. Okay, so I'll leave the pod racing for now. But. Anyways, Attack of the Clones is. Matt, can um, you that in please? I I need air to be exposed to the people. (laughs) Don't make me turn this podcast around. Sorry. I'll get there eventually. Um, But yeah, Attack of the Clones is just fun to me. The clones are my sexual awakening, to be honest with you. I love the clones in so many different ways. And just the fact that that movie brought the clones to existence, I just love it. I love it. So even though it's my number nine, it's a movie I have a lot of love for, but I do also recognize a lot of its drawbacks. You know, and that's awesome. That's all I think. There's so I think one thing that's really important about this podcast is that all three of us fundamentally love Star Wars. And like to me, there's a very big difference between being like, look, I love all this stuff. Here's my concerns about some parts of it. Like, versus like, oh my God, Star Wars is terrible. Here's why it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like we've got stuff we don't like. We got a lot of stuff we love, and I'm glad we're already kind of starting to talk about that. Um my so I think with, with those nine, my number eight still solidly in the middle category, but for a lot of the reasons I think that Alex brought up is also Phantom Menace. And Phantom Menace, the first thing I will say is, I think a lot of people of my generation, maybe, well, our expectations of it were very, very high. And I and while I think that it failed, I think some of that was fair. I think some of it, there was no way any movie was ever going to beat those expectations. Because we'd all been the ones who'd grown up on the original trilogy. We've been reading the extended universe books, or we've been playing with the toys, or we've been playing some of the basic video games, and, and we, we thought for a good 12 years or so that we were never going to get Star Wars ever again on screen. 
And then we found out we were going to get it on screen and we were so excited. And I think that was the biggest thing most of me and my friends talked about for that year. And that was the year I graduated college. Like I did go to a class every now and then. I did try to write a paper every now and then. And I played some rugby, but mostly I just talked about this movie coming out. And I don't know if I can explain the profound disappointment that a lot of us felt. And I think that was probably unfair to put all of that on that one movie and that so much of the, I think, very unfortunate and very toxic hate that happened, I think, is completely inappropriate and completely wrong. And I, I to be clear, I never was writing a letter to Jake Lloyd or any of that nonsense, but obviously so many people were, and that's horrible. Um, but I probably was, you know, one of the people who was like, you know, to other people, like, oh, my God, that was so dumb. It was so horrible. Um, and I think rewatching it, talking to people who loved it, um, like, as you guys have said, the, to me, the pod race just feels like a waste of time. But it does help me remember, like... There was a lot of things about the original trench run, like before it was remastered, that were really bad. Like <laughs> the, the TIE fighters were kind of jerking all over the place and they had like one model of an X-Wing that broke apart in the exact same way and every explosion was like that. <laughs> um, so I think it's very easy for me to be like, yeah, I didn't love the pod race, but I get why people loved it. I I think my I have come to appreciate Phantom Menace a lot more than I did before. And that's why it's very much in my second tier, not my first, not my bottom one. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, when you watched it in theaters, if you remember, did when Maul ignited his second lightsaber, did you think that was epic and exciting? Did you like the lightsaber fight at the time, or did you think, what the what the fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> I think that was one of the first moments where I thought advertising is killing movies. <laughs> because if I had seen that scene for the first time in the theater... I I I would have like thought this was the greatest moment in cinematic history, mm -hmm. but I'd seen it a hundred times oh. because every trailer, every advertisement, every five second clip that was shown on the news in a story talking about it always showed that scene. That's I think depressing. like if you just had changed that one bit of marketing, I think it would have been amazing. But instead, we'd seen it so many times, it was like. Okay, yeah, he's got a double-bladed lightsaber. I know the exact specifications of the double-bladed lightsaber because five different magazines have written about it. Um, and that's rough. Yeah, yeah, that and sucks. So yeah, and I and I also just it, it took me a while to buy Ewan McGregor as as Obi Wan again. I think just because I loved Alec Guinness so much and I grew up with Alec Guinness, I've come to think he's a fantastic. Uh, Ewan McGregor is a fantastic Obi Wan. So yeah, so I think that's for all, and we'll go into much more of that when we talk about the movie itself. I think the, the point of all this being, I think it is a, a decent movie. I think that they made some choices that I fundamentally disagree with, primarily the idea to say, let's explore some of the more complex and more adult themes in terms of subtle corruption and financial and political dealings and, and the slow fall to the dark side in a movie that we're also going to specifically skew younger than anything that's been made before was just right. makes no sense. Um, and I think Jake Lloyd was a perfectly nice person who probably was dealing with bad direction and bad writing. And so he does, he personally deserves none of the attacks he gets, but it was just like a, a nails on chalkboard performance. Like neither, nothing. Neither did Ahmad Best, to be fair. I mean, both of them got just so much hate after that movie. Ahmad Best yeah. played Jar Jar yeah. Banks for those who don't know. Yeah. And I'm glad Ahmad Best has come back and stuff like that. My my point just being like, I'm not blaming Jake Lloyd for this, 
But there was nothing about that child that A, I wanted to ever pay attention to, or B, in any way made me think this is going to be Anakin. And I thought the... Well, we'll, we'll get more when we review the movie, but yeah, well, that's, that, that's the only I, reason I why I One quick point, we will get more in definitely review the movie, but I, I actually think that to me, that is one of the strengths of it, is that you would never expect this little, nobody, awkward slave boy to turn into one of the most evil and confused beings to ever exist. And I'm excited to talk about that when we just, when we uh, hash out the movie in a couple weeks. Okay. For, for me, it's not that he, I don't believe that he's evil. It's that I don't believe that he's competent. Like the whole, how he blows up the trade federation ship was just so obnoxious. But, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Let's, just let's... like the way Luke blew up the, uh, Death Star. Star? Anyways, moving on, moving on. You can see Matthew's, Matthew's face right now, y'all. <laughs> I, I... Let's move on. Um, wow, this Aaron, is pod what's racing. Your, uh, what's your number eight? My number... Wow, oh, this is pod racing. Okay, um, my number eight... Yeah, I'm going to get a little hate from this, um, but it's The Last Jedi. It's just a movie that I've seen once. I enjoyed it, but I missed a lot. Like, hearing Matthew talk about it and how it's one of their favorite movies and, like, all the stuff that you gathered from the movie, I didn't. Like, I missed a lot of it. I was confused when Yoda blew up those books. I was like, what? <laughs> so, I'm again, with Rise of Skywalker, I'm really excited to rewatch and, like, actually comprehend. Because the mm -hmm. sequels came out during a time in my life where I loved Star Wars. I had always loved Star Wars, but it wasn't my primary focus. Like, mm. I was really deep into The Lord of the Rings at the time. Also, great fandom. But, um, yeah, so I guess I just wasn't I wasn't paying as close of attention as I would if I watch a Star Wars movie now. So I'm excited to rewatch. There was a couple things that just felt, like, abandoned from The Force Awakens, and that um, theme just continues throughout the sequel trilogy, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to rewatch and re-understand because a lot of that movie went over my head and I've just never fully understood it. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. that's why it's at my number eight right now and I anticipate it um, moving up in the ranks after we review it. No, I think it's all totally fair. I think it's a very... It, it took me a couple of viewings, I think. To, I, I loved it the first time. But it took me a couple of times to really like fully grasp it, I think. It's a, it's a much more complicated and nuanced movie than I think a mm -hmm. lot of the others are. Alex, what's your number? Or if you have thoughts of that, or, or what's your number eight? Well, uh, so if I may, um, my number eight was Rise of Skywalker, and I already gave some in-depth mm -hmm. thoughts on that. Um, so I'll just I'll just say that I want to respond to Aaron. I'll just say that uh, Last Jedi is my number seven. So to mm -hmm. respond to Aaron on that... Um, I, I want to note also to 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 our listeners here that kind of like Matthew does, I kind of have tiers, and I think that the Last Jedi is the first one in my every movie. This one and above is like razor thin margins for me. Like mm. I love the Last Jedi. I love that movie so much, but it's just when I was comparing every little aspect, it just wasn't me. It just wasn't surpassing. But it's like point one percent differences here. But I think that the Last Jedi, when I watched it in theaters, my initial reaction was this might be the greatest Star Wars film ever made, like ever. And then I thought about it more and I'm like, but actually I don't know. Cause then I started thinking about different like, little issues I had with it. But then every time I watched it, I'm like, this is amazing. But then I'm also like, oh, but there's also these little, and it just, it's such a like polarizing movie, not just for me. I know for the fan base as a whole, I mean, 
looked at the critical reviews at the time that has like the best critical reviews of a Star Wars movie and like some of the worst um, fan reviews. Um, I think that it does, you know, it suffers from the fact that Disney couldn't get their shit together long enough to get like a cohesive storyline written down for the sequels, which you would think they would have learned from Lucas's, you know, storytelling, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I think that finally getting Luke Skywalker back after not seeing him, like, I I know he showed up the last second of um, Force Awakens, but seeing him actually in a movie for the first time since Return of the Jedi was just, it's so special and so magical. Um, And I think that, you know, actually, like, getting to see Rey train, seeing Luke's take, and, like, actual, like, looking with a critical lens at the flaws of the Jedi and like, they're not these just perfect beings. They're not always right. Here is how the force actually works. This is how balance goes down. And like, um, I think that for me, that movie was both a really fun adventure, but I also, what I really, really loved about it is a lot of people complained about how Luke dies. They're like, well, he just used this crazy new ability to force project himself. He doesn't even fight anyone with a lightsaber. And, well, I am sad, and that is a knock against it. There's no actual lightsaber duel in this in this movie, the only one um, out of the actual episodes. I think that Luke's death is like the most perfect Jedi death. Luke found a way to save everyone he loves and cares about, stop his nephew without actually resorting to violence in any way. He was able to project his own being. And I think that that, to me, kind of like really summed up the movie of like, we're going away from the classic stereotypes of Star Wars. And we'll get more into it when we discuss it. But I think that that gave me a lot of points. Um, very quickly, the negatives for me were just, I, I thought the Canto Bite could have been so much better. I thought their entire, like, like little escapade, um, it just, it, like, it didn't, to me, have a true bearing on what ended up happening. Like, the Rebels still got found, still got shot at. Like, n- like none of that actually, it actually ended up killing more people than saving them in the end, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, we learned a lot um, about, like, the inner workings of the war machine, but I don't know. It's just – a lot of things didn't land for me. There were some hokey things, and I think the fact that it doesn't stay consistent throughout the sequels and this being, like, the middle child of the sequels, it just knocked down a few points for me. But as you can see, I said a lot of positive things. I do love the movie. It just just doesn't rise above. Yeah. I think all that's fair. I think Last Jedi is much higher for me, but I – um and I think in part because to me, like, that whole thing you talk about, yeah, it like – Failure being is the point of the movie, you know, and I think what I love about it is how much it subverted all the expectations like that. But I think it yeah. also is it, it's therefore it's 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 weird. You know, it's a like you go to your favorite restaurant and they're like you're used to getting this one particular flavor palette. They're like, oh, yeah. Hey, today we're giving you something pretty different. And and it it, it feels that. And I think that's that's we'll get to that. I think when I when I talk about it, Um, but I think it's it's completely legit to have. Paul, my former co-host, will be on as a guest from time to time, really helped, I think, me to get this, is that because there was so much toxicity in so much of the attacks on Last Jedi, and I think, you know, you mentioned the the low score on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, there was a lot of bots that had a lot to do with that, a lot of review bombing, but I think it, it, it codified the lines where it also became now, like, if you don't last... Last Jedi, you're sexist and you hate Rey, or this kind of nonsense. And so it's really important that, like, we can talk about, like, yeah... You can be an awesome Star Wars fan and Last Jedi just not be your favorite thing in the world, and that's totally okay. Uh, it is mine, and I'll talk more about why it is later. <laughs> but, um, and and uh, but on that subject, and I think I um I want to be clear: this is very much in my middle tier. It's getting towards the top of my middle tier. 
but it's not in my top tier, <clears throat> is uh, Revenge of the Sith. And Alex, I know it's your absolute favorite, and I'm really looking forward. I, I think I've learned a lot already just by hearing you talk about it more. And just, I, I think Revenge of the Sith is the movie, I would have had it at my absolute bottom probably two years ago. But really watching Attack of the Clones and then talking about Attack of the Clones, particularly with people who had more grown up with these movies, talking about people who had grown up with the prequels about them, really kind of helped me see a lot of the things that I... You mean I, the Clone Wars? I I I I met the prequels and the and the TV shows, but okay, yeah, cool. I probably <clears throat> um, I got three hours sleep after a ten day road trip last night. So, um, but also so I'm old. My names are going to mix up a lot. Um, point being, like it is, I think I have come to really understand why it really works for a lot of people, and I I honor that, and I and I love that. It, it just not for me. I. I never really bought Anakin. I never really bought Hayden Christensen as Anakin, and especially after seeing Matt Latner on the Clone Wars, even more so, his performance just felt bad. Um, and uh, I, I think that's very much more bad direction. I think Hayden Christensen's a perfectly fine actor. Um, Order sixty six just felt silly to me. The the his fall scene felt ridiculous to me. Um, and again, this is just. Two years ago, I would have said, like, I think it's a bad movie and I don't understand people who love it. I, no, I totally get it. I it, I think it is just after the huge disappointment of the other two, the bar was set where it was, having grown up with Darth Vader and thus having incredibly high expectations of what Anakin would be like. Um, I don't think I'm not saying I think that it is like a bad movie. I just think for myself, it just never really worked. Um, yeah, so that's my number seven. Your number seven, Alex. What's your number seven? I said it was the last Jedi. Wait, what, what, was that your number eight, Matthew? Or your number seven? No, that was so. That was my number seven. Okay, yeah, number seven was the last Jedi for me. I was just, I kind of just jumped the gun because yep. of uh, where I was talking it about it. Yep. So my number Back. six is the Force Awakens. Wait, or, let, I, let, I have let, a number let, seven. Let's oh, I'm confused. To, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yep. No, you're okay. I am also confused. The um, last Jedi was my number seven. Aaron, what's your number seven? Yeah, my number seven. Is Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. It's just... I haven't seen it in a while. I enjoyed it. It's a good film. But the other two originals mean more to me. I guess I'll say. Mm -hmm. Like, A New Hope is just the culmination of Star Wars. It is the beginning. It's just an incredible film. And... I mean, The Empire Strikes Back is a beautiful story start to finish. It's the perfect middle like they really nailed the sequel and that's so rare i feel like mm -hmm. to actually really nail the second of a trilogy um and yeah return of the jedi great conclusion great movie but like sitting here and thinking about it now there's not a ton that sticks out to me so i am excited to watch it again and really pay attention mm -hmm. and see how that fills in my complete view of the original trilogy okay now we're ready are you well, I like your response. I, I was I, Alex completely <laughs> having no response to my uh, comments from Vendor the Sith was interesting, but I'll make I'll make a comment about Jedi. I think that's all totally legit. I think it is much higher for me, probably because it's literally the first movie I can remember seeing in theaters, and yeah. I have such a visceral response to that. And I was eight, and I I just absolutely loved every part of it, and I was very much the target audience for it. And so yeah, I think it it if you're curious to to rewatch it again and 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 go over it all with y'all, um. All right, so we've all done our seven and down. Um, Alex, what's your number six? 
Yeah, but number six is The Force Awakens. Um, you know, for me, The Force Awakens, I thought was a, a, a kind of a, a revelation. I, I, you know, so for me, growing up, I was born in 1997. And so, you know, I was two when Phantom Menace came out. And I was only like nine or eight when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. And so I couldn't see any of the Star Wars movies, like, premieres in theaters. I didn't see any of them in theaters. My mom thought I was too young to see Revenge of the Sith when it came out. Um, I, I just watched it on DVD. And and I thought that, you know, by the time I was, like, you know, eight years old, I was like, well, that's it. Star Wars is over. I am eight years old. I will never get a new Star Wars movie again. That is so depressing. And then flash forward, um, you know, 2015, and I'm getting a Star Wars movie again. <laughs> Like, I, I, I get to go to a premiere. I get to dress up in my Obi-Wan robes. I get to go with all the other all the other Star Wars fans, all cosplaying into a movie theater and just watch something completely new with new characters, with old characters, and just just transcend. And and it was um, – The Force Awakens also came out, like, in a, a kind of a difficult moment in my life. Um, you know, uh, the, the trailer for the movie was released about a week after my dad passed away, and – it was like the one thing that like kind of helped one of the one one of the few things that like kind of helped me get through that period and like it like just just I could lean into that. I watched that trailer like twice a day, every day, and like just tried to like use that as a way to kind of escape my depression at the time. And when the movie finally got there, my expectations were so high. I was there's no way they could ever meet them. And in that moment, I they did. They were blown away. I was like, this is everything I could have wanted in a Star Wars movie. I remember leaving the theater and recording a video of myself, which I wouldn't, I would not show you, Aaron and Matthew, because it's too embarrassing. Um, but what? I physically couldn't, I couldn't walk. I like my legs felt numb. I was out of breath. I had to take twenty minutes in my car with my friend before I felt comfortable driving again because I was so blown away. Um, then when, like you know, when the when the the buildup of fifteen years finally passed away, or not, well, you know, ten years passed away. You know, I look at it in a more critical way. It is very close to being a carbon copy, like plot wise of a new hope which is why it is lower on, lower on the list still like a very very excellent movie um i think that kyle ren and is an incredible character i think ray is an incredible character i think that in that movie finn had like endless potential that disney did squander but you know all the main characters i thought were just blowing it out of the water there was mystery there was intrigue um getting han han and chewy back and Leia back on screen, and even just seeing a glimpse of Luke, all of it just felt so magical. But it also felt very predictable to a degree. Um, so I think the predictability of it, the fact that I just think the other movies, like having come before, being more original, makes them higher. Um, but it's still like an incredible film. That's why it's very middle of my list, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Emotional versus kind of logical brain there, I guess. But uh, Matthew, what's your, uh, what's your number six? Or let's uh, respond to that. Well, both, because my number six is also The Force Awakens. Oh, great. And I, I first of all, I, I hadn't realized we had such similar connections. My mother passed away right around the time that the trailers first came out. And so that was a big, and I had a lot of other things going through my, uh, wrong in my life at the time. I had probably the worst year of my life. And that movie was really a big part of what sustained me, the hope of it. And I thought a lot about where to rank it, because I feel like I agree with all the critiques you've just had. I also think it had an incredible power on me. The the the, the metaphor that comes to me, and there's going to be a little bit of digression, but I hope it's going to make sense. My mother was a huge foodie. And so once I was an adult, my sister was an adult, like when we were all in the same place, 
for her birthday, we would kind of pool our money and take her to a very nice restaurant, the kind that would do like a really nice like five course meal kind of a thing. You know, we you know mm-hmm. we were not you know super rich. We couldn't do this more than once once or twice a year maybe, but it was a big expense, but it was worth it. And one thing I remember in those meals is that you almost always get like a palate cleanser of some kind between two courses that were going to be pretty different. And sometimes it was an actual course that was meant to do that. Sometimes it was a little just like amuse-bouche or something. And I couldn't tell you much about any of them. And I never certainly went home thinking, oh, that palate cleanser, that was the best part of the meal. But as I come to understand more about food, I understand the love that I have of whatever came after that palate cleanser would have been completely impossible without the palate cleanser. Yeah. And that's what The Force Awakens was for me. Um, Because I think, you know, and to take the metaphor a little bit too far, and I promise I'll stop with it now, but like... At my generation, at my experience, the prequels had left a really bad taste in our mouths. And not only in terms of our own enjoyment, but I think it just became, I think, unfortunately, the 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 media cycles that can build just made this worse and the fandoms made it worse. And I was probably a part of that. But it became like Star Wars stopped being cool. Like it had been kind of cool when I was a kid, I think, for, uh, yeah, actually, no, it was pretty damn cool when we were kids. And then it just stopped being cool. And I was like, oh, you're a Star Wars fan? Ha ha ha. You must love Jar Jar Banks. Like, Spent most of my 20s with Star Wars fandom being like this ridiculous thing that, you know, some people were reading the extended novels and were really into that. But the rest of it was like, yeah, we were just getting teased about it all the time. And like, how could you, you really still were. like that? And um, and I, I internalized a lot of that. I was like, I love Star Wars, but then the prequels ruined it for me. And so I didn't watch like, you know, the other stuff that was coming out. I never even bothered with it, with the Clone Wars, any of that stuff. I didn't read most of the EU. I was kind of done. And... The Force Awakens, I think, I have all the same concerns about or complaints that you just talked about. The the fact that it repeats so much of the plot, the fact that um, it, and I think this is one of the things that then makes hurts the later two sequels, is that, you know, we'd had a story of the plucky rebellion fighting the Empire. What I really wanted now was the story of what happens when you're in power now. And we would had the story of how the, the good guys fall. I now wanted the story of what happens when you try to reassert power and you have to not become a dictatorship yourself, but also you have to worry about all these things that are fighting against you. And how do you, and I think the Mandalorian and some of those shows are starting to really give us that. I wanted all that, mm-hmm. but I saw the force awakens the, in theater. The first, the first time I saw it was, I think a 12 o'clock, like a 12 PM showing. I think the second time I saw it was a three, three, three 30 showing that day. And the second, third time I saw it was an 8 PM showing that day. Like, I just stayed in the theater and watched it three times. And it also gave us, I mean, like, I think Rey is, having a woman Jedi is such an incredibly important thing that Star Wars needed. Having a black Jedi is such an important thing that Star Wars needed. And the fact that we never quite got that with Finn (laughs) makes it, like, a lot harder. But um, having Poe, you know, I mean, the representation is important there with all three of them, but there's also so much more to their characters. There's so many things that I think that movie added to Star Wars and did things that Star Wars needed that like, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's, it's somewhat unfair that it's not higher ranked, but that's why it's not higher ranked is that I think it, it, it had to do something really hard in the same way Phantom Menace did, but where Phantom Menace tried all these new things that I think really didn't work for what it had to be. I think force awakens was exactly the movie it had to be at the time it had to be, which means that it's not my favorite, but I'm incredibly grateful that exists. 
the, yeah. the take. I also agree with the whole, like, I internalized a lot of my Star Wars fandom when I was a little bit younger, and then this trailer came out and this movie started coming out, and I was like, oh, I'm flaunting this all over the place now. It's back <laughs> in the, it's back in the worldview. We are so, we are so back, y'all. And, uh, <laughs> and I just was like full send into the, into the open nerdum to the point where like, it's just part of my brand now. It's great. <laughs> yep. I love that. Aaron? I love it. For me, my number six is The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. It's a lot That's higher than you guys both put so it. High. It's so high, you said? Yeah. Yeah, That's I fair. know. Um, to me, it's all nostalgia. I already kind of talked on the pod race, but that moment was just so amazing for me. Like the Tuscan shooting at them, just like the going over and over the same like chorus. And it was just all fun to me. It was all mm-hmm. fun. Um, Duel of the Fates, Chef's Kiss, literally incredible. Darth Maul, incredible. Qui-Gon Jinn, the best. Like, yeah. he is, to this day, one of the best Jedi. Like, one of the most true Jedi in his kind of gray Jedi form. And I just really love what he brought to the table of, like, oh, yeah, here's this Jedi Council. They're not all that. Like... Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to listen, he's going to play their games, but he's going to do what he wants to do at the same time. Right. And I just really love his character. Uh, That being said, yeah, a lot of racism. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. And I don't condone any of that. And it's all so horrible. For the nostalgia, this is still pretty high for me. But as far as being a good movie like you guys both said the cgi not great (laughs) Mm -hmm. too heavily leaned upon and the racist stereotypes like why why george why like you made it through the originals and it did so well with like little to no racial stereotypes why um but yeah Yeah. i also just loved seeing because in the original trilogy luke and leia are about 19 and they're kind of like the youngest heroes but being a kid and having like little anakin like he is also a kid with no perspective of the world or ability to have a normal conversation like he's an awkward kid i was homeschooled so i always felt like i was on the outside i always felt awkward and just Mm -hmm. a little misplaced in the world and i kind of related to him he was just kind of on his own like He had some friends, but, you know, sometimes they, like, teased him and stuff, and they didn't always support him. So, yeah, I just liked a story of, like, the little guy that could, even if it's not beautifully told and it's a little hard to believe that he blew up the Trade Federation ship. Like, it was still something really cool for me as a kid. So that's kind of why it is so high. And then, if I may, just go straight into my number five, because it's The Force Awakens, which you guys just both talked about. Mm. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. Anyways, my number five is The Force Awakens. For all the reasons you guys said, it is A New Hope Part 2, but A New Hope was a great movie. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Like, it's a bomb movie, and so is The Force Awakens. And, again, like, having the main character be a woman, like, Mm -hmm. a female Jedi was huge. Super exciting. Seeing seeing the Millennium Falcon again. Mm. No, we're not taking that piece of junk. 
all the other ships years. get blown up. Yeah, <laughs> the junk it is like, ugh, just the best, just amazing. It's fun getting Han back, Chewie back. I wish Han would have lived longer. Um, Harrison got his wish. I may wanted to be killed off from day one. True. Yeah, <laughs> he literally like wanted to be killed off in every movie, and George kept saying no, no, no. yeah. No. And I, I will say, when we get to the review of that movie, I'm excited because I have some real questions about how exactly Han dies. But we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Oh. Also, the fact that he died and they still roped him into doing a scene in, in, in Rise of Skywalker <laughs> is incredible Literally. to me. <laughs> yeah, to me, that is 100% Harrison Ford's respect for Carrie Fisher. Because oh, yeah. I think that... Oh, I, yeah. And I, I should have said before, I do think that last movie would have been much better. I think they had written that movie... With Carrie Fisher in mind, and then had to kind of make a lot of changes, and that's a whole well, other thing. I, but but we'll, we'll we'll get to that when we talk about the movie yeah, itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I just want I, yes to your point because I'm pretty sure they wrote each of the sequels to have one of the original three actors being the big focus. Highlighted. It was Han, and mm-hmm. it was Luke, and it was supposed to be Leia, but yeah, Tra- tragedy there, tragedy there. Yeah, no, I, th- I think Aaron, those thoughts on on both Phantom Menace and Force Awakens make total sense. I think like I can appreciate how important it, like. I loved having a woman Jedi on screen, and I can appreciate how important it is. But also, I had always seen myself as a Jedi on screen, and I'm like, I can sympathize, but I empathize with how much it would mean to see yourself on screen in that kind of a way. And I, I I'm really glad that, that that you know you can talk about that. Um, what's your number five, Alex? We're in the we're coveted top five. We're entering original <laughs> trilogy territory for me. A New Hope comes in at my number five spot. Um, it has to be given. I don't think that A New Hope for me can be ranked any lower than five just because it started it all. It was the mm-hmm. first one. This is what it, it was just birthed out of Lucas's head. There was no no material to go off of. Um, and it, I mean, it, 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 it changed the generation. It, it really revolutionized everything from the sci-fi genre to technology and how you film movies. Um to to story to, I mean to everything I mean, it really revolutionized so many things and I think that you know when they made it they weren't sure if they were going to get another one yeah. and so it really was just you know a very complete movie start to finish I mean there was literally an ending like if that was the only Star Wars movie ever made it would have made sense just as it was self contained um I think that you know the the acting between Alec Guinness and um. Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill got better in the next movie, but we're all just, you know, really, really great. And, you know, I do, I don't have the same connection that you do, Matthew, to the trench run, but the trench run is just a, a beautiful, really just awesome mm-hmm. scene. I think that what, where it, it falters for me, it's just, just, and again, it was 1977, but there's just some kind of quirky moments. I mean, like, oh, yeah. We just we discuss them at length um, when we when we talk about the movie, but there's just quite a few like little just like how does that make sense? Why is that happening? Like, and oh, I recognize I was the, that Lucas... I was the first one on our review of it to be like, yeah, it make they should have just flown directly at the exhaust port. Like, it makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, um, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot, and like Vader just being knocked and spinning into space. And <laughs> there's just a lot going on there. But I mean, mm-hmm. it also gives us one of our best villains in Grand Moff Tarkin. I wish yep. that we had gotten more screen time of him. Um, and I think that there's so much positive going for it. I think that, again, for me, it's not so much like there are some kind of 
quirky, hooky things to go on, but it's not so much the negatives that drop at number five for me. It's just that the other movies, I think, just do it slightly better, or I have a slightly deeper connection to them. That's but fair. I think A New Hope is just, you know, obviously an incredible all-in-all film. Um, yeah. Just uh, doesn't have the same nostalgia factor that it probably does for Matthew. And um, mm. when I look at the originals, it, it just ranks at the bottom of the three of them for me. That's fair. Well, and for me, for my number five, um, we're now going to start to get into the original trilogy as well. And I, I will say that the way I kind of did my rankings, the, the best way I can think about them is like if I'm at a party or I'm at a, a bar or something and like the movie is on in the background, the bottom tier, which for me is Attack of the Clones, Rise of Skywalker, those are where like I'm probably going to walk away from the TV because I just don't want to be around it. The middle, the middle tier is... Yeah, I'll probably pay attention to the movie if nothing else is going on. But if there's like an interesting conversation or people want to play a game, like I'll, I'll walk away from the movie. And that's, you know, Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace Solo. My top five are, I'm probably going to just check out of the party and just watch this movie, you know? <laughs> um, and they're all like, if the bottom tier for me is like twos and threes and the middle is like from like four to seven or eight, the top is all like 9.995 up to 9.999. Like they're all that close for me. So understand I'm recognizing I still think number five is one of the best movies ever made. But my number five is Empire Strikes Back. And I think it just we, we've done a whole review of it that I think will come out after this. But you'll hear me talk more about it. Um I don't think it's a bad movie in any way. I think it's phenomenal. I think it does so much to get us from point A to point C, you know, from the beginning to the end, but it's the middle part. And I, to me, the force and the struggles over the force are so much of what I love. And I think like the, this movie really sets a lot of them up, but they really come to fruition in Jedi and, and are started in A New Hope. So to me, the, the, there's no critique I can make of this movie by any means. It's just that the others hit a little bit harder for me. Um, but yeah, that, that's the only reason why Empire is my number five. Uh, Aaron, what's your number four? My number four is A New Hope. Mm-hmm. It's just the best. It's just yeah. the best. It holds up. Like, watching it now, people are like, oh, it's so old, you know, it's cheesy. Like, my dad says a lot, like, yeah, I understand, like, the originals are pretty, like, cheesy, like, they're pretty old, you may not, like, appreciate them as much. He says the same thing for basically any movie he made before. Mm-hmm. 1990 but um <laughs> just watching it back i was like no this is a great film like start to finish i'm interested mm-hmm. and the character beats are so good and the acting is so nuanced but there you know like we talk about this a little bit when we um dissect it more but like, Luke and Leia tend to have kind of subdued reactions compared to what we, in today's media, would consider, like, a normal reaction. Mm-hmm. But it's still meaningful, and it still hits. And that's just something that was done so well. And the same reason both you said, you know, it's the start. It's the beginning. It's just a perfect story start to finish, except for, I will say, if that was the only film and Darth Vader ended by simply spinning into an abyss, I'd be kind of disappointed. <laughs> That's fair. That's but fair. also, I wouldn't know to be disappointed because I wouldn't know how awesome he could be, I guess. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a silly bit of the movie to me, but 
other than that, it's just a great film. That's why it's my number four. I can hear That's Darth a- Vader going, what? In my yeah. head when the comes up <laughs> behind him. What? <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. That's fair. Alex, what's your number four? Yeah. Um, Rogue One is my number four. I, you know, I really think that Rogue One is probably the best thing movie-wise that Disney's done. Um, I think that, like, it, it, in my opinion, it really encapsulates um, the vibe and the, the kind of the, the feelings and tones of the original Shoji. And, like, I feel like when I was watching it in the theater and every time I watch it now, I feel like I'm almost watching, like, an original movie. It does not rely heavily on CGI outside of the deep fake Grand Moff Tarkin, um, which is tough. But, I mean, the rest of it is, like, very practical effects. Um, and I think the CGI, when they use it, is done really well. I think that the story is really compelling. And I, and I was like, wow, we made an entire movie just to fill a plot hole? That seems silly. And I was like, wait, no, this adds so much it adds mm-hmm. so much to like you know the it, it, it really explains why the death star is so easy to blow up which has been like the largest plot hole in star wars for so long and it like it makes it more meaningful and impactful it, it, it really is our first look i think in a movie at like the, the day-to-day interactions of like actual rebels like there's no there's no Jedi going around helping them. It's just these are rebels, boots on the ground, espionage. This is how most of the rebellion got shit done during that era. Um, yeah. And I just – between the cinematography, I mean, Felicity Jones and um, – uh, uh, what is his name? Diego, Diego Luna. Diego Luna. Thank you, Diego Luna. Um, both are just treasures. I mean, obviously, we didn't know at the time, but we got Andor out of that, which is one of the best Star Wars shows. and. All the other supporting cast. I mean, you have this diverse cast that all portrays their roles and they're acting so well. But like, I have like interest in all of them. You bring Saw Guerrera into live action at um yeah. from the Clone Wars, which was so cool to me. Um, and like, I don't know, it's just all of that. And then the thing that really pushed up the number four though was um, <laughs> I've shared the story with with, the, with these two before, but. When the movie was kind of reaching its end, I was like, okay, you know, they've escaped, whatever. Like, you know, the plans are getting beamed up. The movie's about to end. And then they have the audacity, the audacity to have Darth Vader come down that hallway. And for 60 seconds, nothing mattered. I don't care. I could have been dying. I I don't, I don't, the world could have been ending outside. The zombie apocalypse could be starting. Nothing mattered. All that mattered was what I was watching on that screen, and it was one of the greatest things, maybe the greatest single minute of Star Wars I had ever seen. Just pure, like, peak Vader rage. Anakin was Mm -hmm. beaten, and he was mad about it. And you saw that rage in just, and, like, this is what I always pictured when I was watching the original, is that, like, the menace of Vader would be like, and I finally got to see it. And it was just, I remember squeezing so hard into my girlfriend at the time's leg that I accidentally left like a little bit of a bruise because I was just so <laughs> excited. She was not upset at me. She was just like, I, I get it. Like, you, you, this was crazy for you. But I felt so bad about that. But I was just so lost. Enough, I, my whole world just tunneled into this. And so, uh, yeah, I think I definitely brought up the number four for me. Um, and uh, yeah, Matthew, what's your number four? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to talk about all the stuff about Rogue One in just a second. Um, my number four is Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. It's, again, I think just a phenomenal movie. Probably it's 
basically the way my top five are is the original trilogy and then last jedi and rogue one and um well you'll see how it all works out in a second but i think the you know of the original trilogy a new hope is my favorite for all the reasons that we discussed and i'll kind of get into more return of the jedi i think i just like a little bit more than empire strikes back it's still phenomenal though i don't love the the job of the hut stuff but everything else i think is just amazing i thought like you know, I loved the Ewoks. I know that's kind of controversial. I think the uh, Darth Vader, Vader, the Luke Vader battle at the end of Jedi is, I um, I don't think is the best lightsaber scene by any means, but is hands down my favorite because it's the one that is the most meaning for me. Um, that movie really, that movie and A New Hope, I mean, all three of them, but that movie especially really helped shape a lot of my like ethical understanding of the world for a long period of time uh, and then adjusted by what we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, I just, I just think it's absolutely fantastic. I'll happily rewatch it a thousand times. Um, and I, I realized, like, I never really thought about it until we were doing these rankings the second time even. But my top five, like I said, are the best. Are It's the original trilogy. And then I think it's the two that are the most non-Star, the, the most different from Star Wars. Because my number three is also Rogue, is Rogue One. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to echo all the things you said. I think the other thing, though, for me is that it gives us a picture into a part of the Star Wars universe that we've never seen, which is the people below the headlines. Like, what hap What about the people who aren't really using the Force? Like, yes, the the um, uh, the, the the two guys who Cheer are it. most cheer it. Yeah, thank you. Like the two of them who, by the way, canonical love story in my mind. Like, I don't think there's any way to doubt that. Um, but like, they're using the Force a little bit, but they're definitely not Jedi. Um, and and and. It's this beautiful reminder of like, yeah, Luke's going to blow up the Death Star. You know, Rey is going to do these incredible things. Finn's going to do the incredible things. But so much of a rebellion is never going to be remembered. Is these beautiful acts of incredible heroism that no one's going to ever pay attention to. And I love all of that. Um, it gives us our first introduction of the Mickelson brothers into Star Wars uh, with Mads playing uh, 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 Galen Erso in this incredible role. Later to be followed by his brother Lars, who plays Grand Admiral Thrawn, both in voice acting and now on screen. Um, yeah, it gives us, I think, Cassie Nandor, which leads to Andor, which I think is probably my favorite overall Star Wars property. At least I think is the best of all time. Um, yeah, it's just, there's so much that I love about Rogue One, and I think so much of it is that it just felt different from every other Star Wars thing I'd ever seen. And that blew me away so much. I have lost sound Rogue One, but I'll get there. Okay. Um, What's your number three then? My number three is The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, legit. Rewatching this movie was a thrill for me. Like, mm -hmm. I just loved it. There was so much that I kind of hadn't fully remembered, but like the battle on Hoth, so fun. Like, every single takedown of those ATATs is exciting, every mm -hmm. single one is different. Yep. And it's this huge stakes that these rebels are up against and they're just trying to escape in time. <clears throat> and I mean, we got the Wampa. Like, that's just such a great part of this universe to me. I feel like, well, I guess we did have some like monsters in A New Hope, but it's like, it's just so fun to get monsters. I just think it's mm -hmm. fun. It's this abominable snowman type and it really challenges Luke. And that's what kind of leads him to 
Kier Obi-Wan. And it's something we talk about in the actual rewatch of this film, but I just loved that they took the tragedy of Mark Hamill's crash and injuries and were able to twist it into just a really fun plot point. Yep. And they made it work instead of trying to cover things up or yeah. all that stuff. And I, I liked it a lot. Um, we get the love story of Han and Leia. It's, yeah. it's something I've never fully understood or maybe bought into in the past because I just was young. So the nuanced acting kind of went over my head. And then anytime I watch it recently, I'm like, these two are so down bad for each other. Mm-hmm. Like... This angry flirting is out of control. Like, I can't even. And so, for all those reasons, it's just a great film. Yeah, I, we we had a conversation about it that we get released next week, but I love that Aaron, I think, said they got you on your side that, like, when Leia kisses uh, Luke, she has no interest in Luke. No. That is 100% <laughs> just a, like, hey, Han, watch me kiss this other person move. Yeah. <laughs> the angry flirting, as you said, and poor Luke gets caught in the middle. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, so, what's your number two, Aaron? Um, Revenge of the Sith. Fair. Wait, Fair. I didn't say my number three yet. Oh, oh sorry, oh, Alex. Alex. What's your number three? Oh, I was just gonna say Return of the Jedi is my number three. Okay. Um, I but very briefly, I think it it finishes the seat in the, the original trilogy in a really beautiful way. I love the stuff on Endor. I think the Jabba's palace brings it down a little bit from the from the other two I have above it. Um, but it has one of the most emotional lightsaber fights in the entire series between vader and luke and seeing luke like finally turn away from from the emperor and getting to see the emperor and all his glory in that movie um all, the whole thing was just i think really a beautiful film and just rises a little bit above the other ones for me but yeah yeah that's really fair that's really fair Aaron, what's your number two yeah it's still revenge of the sith yeah <laughs> um just to me, it's a great movie. It's the ending of a trilogy I loved so much and grew up with. Order 66, although it misses for Matthew, it hits for me. Like, yeah. those are all those Jedi that, I mean, this is also part of the marketing aspect of Star Wars. But since, you know, Attack of the Clones, we saw so many Jedi in the arena. And they just took each of those Jedi and kind of built their story out a little bit. You know, so there was comic books about Ayla and Luminara unduly like there's we get to read about Plo Koon like and the Clone Wars obviously enhances this in later times also but for me like I had played with those Jedi like they meant a lot to me and the clones meant a lot to me um especially after watching the Clone Wars and so Order 66 is hard yeah it's I don't I don't know if I've cried while watching it because I haven't seen The Revenge of the Sith recently because that movie hurts me so bad. Um, I'll probably cry this time through. We'll see. We'll see. But I love it. Um, I mean, Anakin's fall to the Darth side, the battle between him and Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Such a great lightsaber battle. Possibly one of the best just because they are such raw talented jedi you know they are both so good at fighting and it's just interesting to watch the two of them and it's also such an emotional battle because they were brothers like he really Mm -hmm. did raise anakin but also anakin kind of raised him you know like they did so much for each other and again that's built out in the clone wars but just to see the culmination of that padme's death i've never loved i've always been like 
Why did she just die, though? <laughs> it's like, a little 19th century English heroine, you know, dies of a broken heart. Yeah, but at the same time, I get it. Like, with the understanding I have of those characters now, like, they were everything to each other. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Like, I can't imagine being in a situation where someone you love so much, someone who was your world, just committed genocide. Like, what do you do with that? You, Yeah, you probably just lay down and die. Like, you don't know how to view the galaxy after that. Like, that would be so horrible. And this movie just brings up so many feelings and so many good and bad things and yeah it's just always an entertaining watch for me even though i avoid it um because of my poor heart that's fair that's very fair yeah um alex what's your number two two? uh empire strikes back would be my number two uh i especially from the recent rewatch um i think that it is the probably like objectively speaking one of the best just movies ever made um it's really hard to even attempt to um you know you make an original movie the the new hope and how are you how are you going to top that like sequels so often so easily fall flat on their face there's very few i mean like star wars and the godfather are the only two i can think of off the bat where the second movie is better than the first one and it just blew it away. I mean, like, I also, like, I, in Star Wars, I mean, I really love it when we get to see some of the darker tones of, of, of the universe. And I think that's why I like Rise of Skywalker. That's why I like Revenge of the Sith. And that's why I like um, Empire Strikes Back. Because, you know, it does kind of end in this kind of, like, darker feeling to it all. But you you get Hoth, like Aaron said, just the whole Hoth battle is incredible. Um, I, I love the nuanced acting um, between, you know, Han and, and Leia. I think that Mark, Mark Hamill's acting really took to a new level. And like I, I preach about this in our episode, but the fact that mm-hmm. he spent weeks on set with just a R2, an R2 robot and Frank Oz under the floorboards talking to a puppet, like it was able to do that while acting. And I'm glad you're no longer committing to droid erasure while discussing that scene as you were in our episode that comes out next week. <laughs> yes, so. you know, droid erasure is fine. I did mention R2 this time at least, but huh? Yoda is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars being introduced to him. Seeing an aspect of Luke's training, um, you know, the first time we actually see Luke fight with a lightsaber, um, just just the biggest reveal, um, one of the biggest reveals at the time, like, you know, that Vader is Luke's father. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so much going for this movie. Yeah. Um, and you are left, you know, like Han's frozen carbonite, Luke's been, had his arm cut off, his hand cut off, and all of these, all of these things, the Empire's gained ground, and you learn of the existence of the Emperor, like, all of these things, like, make you feel really small, but what I love about the movie so much is it really just end like with this little sliver, and I talk about it again at length, but the sliver of hope and this little bit of light that no matter how dark things get, there's still always a way out. There's always a little bit of light in it. And it mm-hmm. to me just encompasses everything Star Wars is about, everything it stands for. Um, and between the acting, the filming, the storytelling, I think it just it just checks all my marks. And there are silly, silly parts and silly things, but it hits everything, which is why it, it's in my number two spot. Yeah. No, I mean, even though I have it number five, I co-sign all of that. I think it's amazing. I think the, and we talked about this more on the the episode that'll come out next week, but just like after the high of blowing up the Death Star, the reminder of the Empire being like, yeah, that's fine. We're still going to kick your ass all over the galaxy. And like, we're going to smack, like, you're going to pull off some great tricks with AT-AT walkers. That's fine. We've got a hundred more of them. Like, you know, the <laughs> Battle of Hoth is just all so good. Um, My number two is The Last Jedi. And it's 
depending on the day, it and the and what you'll figure out if you you know uh, done this through is that A New Hope is my number one. Um, the two of them go back and forth constantly, and I I think it's in some ways, and I agree that it, like Rogue One, it's up there because it is so different from all the rest. I think for me personally. The Last Jedi was exactly the movie that I needed because I had grown up with A New Hope. I'd grown up with the original movies. I'd grown up with all the philosophy of, you know, light side good, dark side bad. You know, there is, you know, there is no emotion. There's only peace. Like, you know, the, the once you anger, all these things are bad, 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 bad. The Jedi are great. And as I grew up, I realized, well, first of all, a lot of those things are absolutes. Um, sorry, Obi-Wan, but the Jedi have just as many of them. <laughs> and a lot of them don't always hold true. And the world is actually a lot more of a complicated place and a lot more of a nuanced place. And things don't always work out quite as well as the original trilogy might have said they were. And to me, that's exactly what The Last Jedi is. The Last Jedi is about let's use the reflection of the last 30 years to re-examine the, the original movies and say, yeah, some of it is still so true, but, you know, maybe the Jedi texts are not page-turners, as Yoda says in a line that doesn't fit Star Wars, but might still be my favorite line in all of Star Wars, page-turners <laughs> they are not. Um, but yeah, maybe we should question some of the Jedi, Jedi lore, that maybe there are other ways to understand the Force. And I think my anger at, well, anger is the wrong word, but my dis, my dislike of Rise of Skywalker and my absolute love of Last Jedi are very deeply intertwined. I think it's that 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 it's because Last Jedi to me was like, okay, Star Wars was what we gave you forty years ago. Now let's give you a new version of this story with, that keeps a lot of the same ideas, but puts all the critiques you've been thinking about and all the things you've been wrestling with. We're gonna wrestle with them too. And so I think I just felt so seen as a Star Wars fan uh, through that movie, and it is just. A New Hope has more of my nostalgia. It's kind of like if I want to think deep thoughts, I watch Last Jedi. If I want to just feel exhilarated and exalted and like all this awesomeness, I watch A New Hope. And I have to rank them. So A New Hope is, you know, being ex being incredibly exhilarated and having fun is a little bit more fun than like Dark Journeys Through the Soul. But I do love a great Dark Journey Through the Soul. So Last Jedi is my number two. Alex, did you do your number two? It did. Number it was, one. It was in Empire Strikes Back. If you didn't hear it. I did. I just no, am bad at remembering the number part. Okay. No okay. responses to everything I just said about Last Jedi? It's fine. It's fine. We can I mean, on. I agree with a lot of what you say. I just <laughs> I just feel like all oh, the other movies I ranked, I like them better. Yeah, no, no. It, it, we'll cut that out. It's, it's really fine. <laughs> all right. So, so that's all of our number twos. And I think we... We figured out who is. Uh, I I've been very clear with my number t number one. Alex, you've been clear with your number one. Aaron, I apologize. I should have been tracking it. I haven't. What is your number one? Yeah, my number one is Rogue One. Yeah. God, I love it. It's just a good fucking movie. Like, it really is. Really, it is. just is. And you both spoke on it. Like Felicity Jones and Diego Luna, just oh. nail nail those characters and all the other side characters like Bodhi Rook I love him he is still yeah. one of my favorite Star Wars characters like he is just the little pilot that got mixed up in the wrong stuff and 
instead of just like escaping and leaving when he could, he was like, no, if like the things they're willing to do to me and to other people, I need to do something about it. And that's yeah. so powerful. And that's the same place that Bays and Chirrut come from after, you know, Jeddah City is destroyed. They're like, that's all we had. And this is a bigger problem. We can't keep our heads down. And that yeah. whole theme of um, Jin, you know, keep your head down. Like, you don't see the flag of tyranny if you're not looking up kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And seeing her perspective change through the movie as reluctant as she may be. It's just incredible. Like, that was my recommitment to Star Wars. Like, The Force Awakens was great, and it got me excited about Star Wars. And then Rogue One happened, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This is Star Wars. Like, this is everything I've wanted. This is pod racing. This is pod racing. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, yeah, it's just... It's the little guy. You both already said this, but I like rebels dying. It's always been kind of like red shirts. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, bummer. Yeah. But actually seeing like every single person on the ground as a rebel has a backstory. They have a very important reason why they're here. Yeah. They've had suffering. They have so much to them. And it's just. The idea, and I mean, in today's world, everything can seem really horrible and bad, but it's the idea of, yeah, you don't have to keep your head down. You can do something. Yeah. And I think that's important as a life lesson and just on a more um, less important note, the bisexual inside of me was just so thrilled with those two main characters. They're both Mm -hmm. so pretty, Mm -hmm. so pretty. Yeah. And for some reason, I'm going to be honest, I did not see it coming that they were all going to die. That's so silly to me. Mm. I know. I know. It was foreshadowed so hardcore. And of course, they have to die because they're not in the like originals. <laughs> but I was so into the movie and I was so in love with these characters. And then Bodhi dies. And I was like, oh, we lost one. But, you know, someone always has to die. And then Baze and Chirrut go down. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel less good about this. <laughs> I'm not really sure where this is going. Wow. And then, See, and I, Aaron, then the Death Star hits. <laughs> Aaron, I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't, because the thing is that they are so unremembered. Like when they say this R2 unit has brought us the plans, no one says how. I thought it was entirely mm-hmm. possible that one or two of them might escape and then go on to like, you know, maybe Cassian was one of the guys in the back and on Endor, you know, like that's. The level they were. Um, yeah, I, I totally am with you. It could have been my number one as well. Just in terms of like the nuancey stuff that I was talking about from Last Jedi. The, I love what you said about Bodhi and how he goes through all this stuff because he goes through all this horrible way the Empire treats him. And then Saw Gerrera like, treats Does him the pretty same horribly thing. as well. And we, we know enough about Saw's story to know why. But that was also the first thing that a- Andor then later ran with of like, yeah, the, the Empire is horrible. That doesn't mean the, the Rebellion is all good guys and flowers and rainbows and unicorns. Like, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is just so good. Yeah. Uh, don't Last you remember thing what Shirit said at Star Wars Celebration during a panel? He accidentally said that his when, when my character dies and he, like, spoiled it for everyone and, like, the panel, like, froze for a minute and everyone, like, panicked. <laughs> no, like, I don't remember what? that. And, like, um, what is her name? Uh, 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 Gwyneth, the, the woman who plays uh, Captain Phasma. 
Oh, oh Gwendolyn uh, Christie. Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, her. Thank you. She like was the MC, and she went, uh, right, and like kind of mo- tried to move on as quickly as possible because <laughs> he just spoiled that his character died. Um, see, I, that's I don't. Funny. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, by that point, I was solidly in my no trailers, no spoilers. I'm just gonna go in and watch the movie. Oh, I'll watch any trailer that comes out. I won't. I won't get yeah. spoilers, but any trailer that comes out, I will consume on repeat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You two Real do- quick, final thing on this. Of course. On Rogue One, the Vader scene. Yeah. The Vader scene. Like, just the primal fear that these rebels have is something that never sunk in. And like you're saying, Alex, like, Anakin's pissed. Mm -hmm. Like, he's throwing a temper tantrum in the most horrible way. Like, he's just tearing through these rebels because he's mad. Yeah. And he's just playing with them, you know, throwing them around, force pulling them onto his lightsaber, doing whatever. It's just such an incredible scene and the way that it almost exactly leads into A New Hope, which is a beautiful piece of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Instead of there being this gap, it's like, no, this is the scene we all know and love from a different perspective. It is so beautifully done that the fact that it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, <laughs> you kind of forget about. And that's how good yep. it is. Yeah. Um, Alex, what's your number one? Or right, tell us why I don't I don't have a soapbox available right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, but my my unabashed number one is Revenge of the Sith. I have seen that movie probably a hundred plus times. That movie is like quintessential to my actual soul and being. I think that is the most complete, perfect Star Wars movie. And my reasoning is, I mean, it has literally everything. You have for me growing up. Hugh McGregor, Hayden Christensen were my Obi-Wan, my Anakin, and Hayden Christensen's best acting performance in the movies, by far, in that movie. He comes to his own. I can finally see how this awkward, socially awkward guy becomes this, like, angry, dark Sith Lord. I, I, I see the Emperor's plan fully coming into view. Hugh McGregor is at his best. You get introduced to General Grievous, who, who's hashed even more in the Clone Wars, makes me love him even more. Um, and it's also funny to me that every pretty much every village just like has this weird like sexual tension with Obi-Wan somehow, <laughs> whether it's Asajj Ventress or General Grievous or Darth Maul. They all hate him, but all sort of like, I need Kenobi nearby somehow. But um, the opening scene, like out of all the just openings of a Star Wars film, dropping us into the battle over Coruscant, that is such an amazing, probably my favorite opening sequence of any Star Wars movie. Um, and then like beyond that, the, you know, we've seen it so many times now and it breaks me every time, but order 66, that like scarred me and left like a generational, just, just mark on my soul because you're seeing all of these Jedi who like, you know, for, for my entire childhood, I'm thinking like, you know, oh, the Jedi, they're the good guys, the Knights, everyone's so great. And you always wonder like, where do they all go? Like, you know. You know you're extinct, but like then to see the darkness of this plan turning the you know these clones against them, which again, the Clone Wars makes so much more intimate because you know growing up with the Clone Wars as well, you just are like oh I know these clones they're like best friends I know Kiati Mundi I know Luminara I know Po Koon like I I know their personalities and watching them one by one get murdered by their their brothers in arms and yeah. it just makes me cry and then and then you have. The greatest lightsaber scene 
ever to be put onto a big screen. <laughs> Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar. That is fucking shit is poetry in motion. I have a fucking mug that's just one letter of the of like the dialogue between Obi-Wan and Anakin, like just one letter for every word, basically. And Elizabeth got it for me thinking it would take me a few minutes to get it. I opened it up and immediately started reciting the entire like dialogue between them before they started getting into the fight. The choreography, the emotion. Oh, the emotion in that battle is just, oh, my God. It just gets me so excited. And so it's like Anakin, while, while yes, he messed up in so many ways, he's also a tragedy. And he was he, – he, he was – he became this because of the Jedi's mistakes, because of Palpatine's evilness. And all of the emotion in that movie just culminates in such a beautiful product that just hits so hard for me. And so it's my number one. That's legit. That's the it, – yeah. I, I really want to honor and respect all those perspectives. You know, it's it's not how I see the movie, but it's awesome that other people do. And I think that's what's super important. And I'm really looking for, I, I think I have, a, I put a lot more blame on Anakin. So we're going to have a really fun time talking oh, about that. I have, but I put much less blame on Anakin than most people do. I'm an Anakin, I'm an Anakin apologizer and people look down on me for it. <laughs> we're we're going to, we're going to have some thoughts about that. Uh, we'll get to it. I, I, um, uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we will have some thoughts on that, and, and I, I just want to close with one really positive thing I'll say about that movie. That because uh, I do think there's a lot of really good things in it. The visual to me, every lightsaber battle we've gotten is pretty much always a blue or green, sometimes yellow or white, and with the exception of purple, a a fairly like you know lighter color lightsaber against a red lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the standard for almost all of them. And the fact that on Mustafar, it's a blue lightsaber against a green lightsaber because the whole background is red is, is to me just this incredible bit of visual storytelling that I never really appreciated until one of the last times I watched it, maybe about six months ago. Um, yeah, so totally get why people love that movie so much. Uh, and I'm really forward to talking to you about it all. So, well, yeah. We're not going to detail, but Aaron, just out of pure curiosity, are you an Anakin blamer or apologizer? Apologizer. Thank you. He's my baby. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'm. I'm just happy. I'm just happy that the, the two children on the podcast will 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 be able to, will be able to band together on this one. Well, yeah. I. I mean, we'll get into it more. But to me, I fundamentally reject the nature of that question because I think that questions like that assume that blame is zero sum. Like, and I. I think Anakin is at the end 100 responsible for his decisions. I think the things that were done by both Palpatine and the Jedi created the situation and that he became the person who made those decisions and so i think there's like lots it's of ways it's so funny this has to be included in the podcast but it's so funny that you're bringing this up matthew because i had an entire real life conversation a similar vibe of about capitalism do we like do you blame the capitalists who have like just a product of the system or do you blame the system itself and it's like where do you put the blame so I, it's interesting because i think i have similar opinions in real life about like where the blame should fall as to where i blame anakin or not blame anakin yeah. Oh, and certainly, and this is like, I just watched a ballad of, uh, the movie should be called Hunger Games, A Ballad of Snakes and Songbirds, because that rolls off the tongue. It's called A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, some editor failed there, right? Like, it should be the other way around. But it's a great movie. It's about how Cornelia Snow becomes President Snow. And I walked out and said, that's the best telling of the fall of Anakin Skywalker that I've ever seen. Um <laughs> But like to me, the very heart and soul of my superhero ethics podcast is villains because I think I think there's an incredible lot of value in remembering that – and this is very much to me about Anakin. I think too often the discussion becomes are they evil and bad 
or are they the poor little meow meow and it's not their fault? And I think that there's a huge middle ground of we can explain, we can understand, and we can even relate to the journey they take that takes them to where they are without it necessarily being justifying how they become what they are. You know, and I think that's that's kind of yeah. what you're saying there. You know, like that blame and explanation don't have to be the same conversation. True. True. So we'll get to all that. Matthew. What's uh your we're gonna... number one. Sorry, go ahead. What's your number one? Oh, a new hope. Sorry, I thought that was pretty clear. Yeah. It's just <laughs> uh I guess I hadn't really said that, but yeah, it's just it's my favorite movie of all time. Like it is just I can recite it from memory. I can recite most of the things. Uh, I will fast forward through the stuff that's not supposed to be in there because Han shoots first and mm -hmm. Jabba the Hutt only appears in Return of the Jedi. That's the only movie yep. he appears in. Um, And yeah, it's it's not by no means a perfect movie. Uh, you'll hear me talk much more about it on the episode we did uh, last week or two weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, But it's hands down my favorite. Mic so. drop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those are our rankings. Uh, I was going to have us kind of go back over them, but it, we've gone way too long already. So I'll just say that um, in the show notes, include a link if you want to kind of see what all those rankings are. And it's going to be really fun to go back and uh, let us know, you know, it's going to be really fun to go back and see where our, our rankings are after we talk about all these movies. I think already we've shifted a little bit from when we first made these rankings uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and audience, most importantly, though, let us know what, what are your rankings? What do you think of our rankings? Uh, which one of us is completely wrong and you have issues with or you agree with, let us know. You can find us. All the ways to contact us are in the show notes, um, our Twitter, our email, Facebook. You can also find, you can contact us individually, uh, which is totally fine as well. Just let us know how you want to do that. Uh, I'm going to do this wrap up pretty quickly, but Aaron does amazing cosplay. Alex does amazing photography. They're both awesome people. Check out all their social media. Uh, of course, I am the Ethical Panda. I also do the Superhero Ethics Podcast. Please check out all of that. Uh, please think about becoming a member. It's only $5 a, uh, $5 a month or $55 for the year. You get ad-free content. You get bonus content. And you support us. You help us keep the lights on because this is a labor of love. But um, I can't tell the people who own my mortgage that I just do labors of love. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and like just, you know, the the, the recording equipment. I want to get... Uh, Alex a new microphone. I want to help all of us get upgraded in different ways. So uh, every little bit helps. Thank you so much. We have spoken. Stay classy, Mustafar. This is Pottery. Pottery.